Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You don't have to dip forever. You know that rhymes. You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, get 10% off. Lives are at stake, and we are potentially going to lose a lot of them right here in America. No, I'm not talking about coronavirus. Plus, Hunter Biden. So it was all true, and the media covered it up so the Democrats could win an election. We're going to talk about all that and more on I'm Right. 
the United States military has one job. One job. It's the same job, actually, of every other nation's military, not just in the world and the history of the world. There's one job. Kill the enemies of the United States of America. It's an ugly job. It's a dirty job. It's not one you love to think about. Oh, don't get me wrong. We love the bombs and the stuff in the movies, but when you're actually there, it sucks. And when they're shooting back, it sucks. But that is the purpose of a military, to kill them before they can kill you, to kill as many of them as you have to so they will stop doing whatever that thing is you want them to stop doing. That's what a military does. It blows things up. It kills people, period. That has to be its only mission. That has to be what it's training for. And if it's not wholly focused on that, you could find yourself in very, very, very deep trouble. I want you to listen to this. I want you to watch this. I'm going to play you something from Joe Biden. I want you to pay very close attention because this is about way, way, way more than one video clip. This is about more than Joe Biden. This is about the future of the United States of America. You see, you and I have lived our entire lives luxuriating in this place, safe from any kind of an invasion. And I'm not here to tell you somebody's going to invade tomorrow. I'm not saying that. However, that's a temporary situation. No nation enjoys that forever. We've had two big oceans, great navy, powerful military, huge economy. There are nations all over the world. All over the world, they don't have that. They've been invaded. They've seen war on their own ground, their own people dying. That's coming here one day. Or maybe we'll have to go meet a major threat some other part of the world one of these days. A major threat. I don't, I'm not talking about a bunch of idiots in Afghanistan. I'm talking about a huge world power with technology like ours, military weapons like ours. We're going to have to go meet them. It's going to be ugly. And know this about them before I show you us. What they're doing right now. They're training to kill us. They are wholly focused on killing you, on killing your sons and daughters, and mine. That's what they train for. That's all they care about. Getting bigger, stronger, faster, advancing technologically. They're out to kill. That's what they're focused on. This is what your military is focused on. Personal experience helping inform our efforts to ensure that our armed forces reflect the full strength and diversity of our nation. That black, Latino, Asian American, Native American, women, men, LGBT service members are treated with dignity and respect. You know, at a time when more than 40% of our act, more than, listen to this, more than 40% of our active duty forces are people of color. It's long past time that the department's leadership reflects that diversity. Mm -hmm. You take that in? I want you to understand something. And this is tough. This is tough to hear. This is not a one-off. That's not one little speech. This is something that has infected our military since the 1990s. It is now pervasive. It is everywhere. West Point, your highest military institutions are teaching gender and inclusion classes. 
This is an infection that goes all the way to the top, down to the bottom. Our military is trying to be more diverse. Wait, do we have enough women in there? Oh, wait, wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's, 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 we got to get some black people in there. Hold on. Hold up. There aren't enough Latinos. Hey, where are the Asians? We got, that's what we're hand-wringing about. That's what we're worried about. We're worried about skin tone. We're worried about gender. We're worried if they're gay enough. That is going to result in a humongous loss for the United States of America when we finally have to take on somebody who can match us. It is. And we're not the first nation in the history of the world to ever go through that. Rome went through it at the end either. Finally, they faced a big power at the end after they'd been rotting from the inside. And they looked around and they wondered at that moment, how did this happen? We're, we're, we're Rome. We don't lose. What? How did this happen? That's going to be you and me one day. We're going to be looking around at a bunch of dead Americans, and we're going to be wondering, what happened here? What happened here is we didn't stop this social justice warrior, neo-Marxist crap from infecting every single part of our society. And you're naive if you think there's any part they're not coming for. These leftists, remember, leftism is not a political ideology. It is not. It is a religion of domination. That's why they've come for everything, and they've wormed their way into everything and ruined it. It's more than just the education system, the media, the entire Democratic Party, 75% of the Republican Party. They make your movies, they make your sitcoms, they make your music. It's worse than being the entire federal bureaucracy. You notice what else has gone down the crapper? The FBI. Remember, you used to talk all the time about the good men and women in the FBI. Oh, we'll get to more on that in a little bit. What's happened there? They got into your church. They sure got into mine. I had to leave mine six months ago. You remember that? When I sat down in a pew, just wanted to hear about the Word of God. Lord knows I need it. And what do I get? Well, let's talk about your white privilege. And I went to a seminar on what white people need to know. And of course, they were never going to leave the military alone. They don't think in these terms. You think in these terms because you're a decent human being. Well, we should compartmentalize this and let's leave that alone. And hey, hey, there's a time and a place. I don't have to bring up politics. We're at a neighborhood party. There's no need. They don't think like that because it's not their political ideology. It's their religion. They were never going to take over every other part of this culture and look at the military and think, oh, well, let's leave them alone. We do have to fight after all. They don't think that way. There is nothing they're not coming for. Nothing. And you think you can write this off all you want? Well, it's just Joe Biden. He's a Democrat. Here's the commander of the United States Special Forces Command. Direct quote. Diversity and inclusion requires action. It requires decisions. And it requires leaders that must put themselves out there and must make purposeful decisions. General Richard Clark Commander, U.S. Special Forces Command. From the highest levels, it's there. It's there with the generals. It's there with the colonels. It's there with the majors. It's working its way down. And if you think it stops at the officers, you've got another thing coming. I was in the Marine Corps. When I got out in about 04, we already had a new crop of Marines coming in. Yeah, most of them were great, but there were some in there. There were some in there that you could tell. You knew things were changing. And there's a real cost to this. I can live with Democrats winning an election. It sucks. I mean, it sucks. 
I can live with it though. But understand the cost of this is higher than you can possibly imagine. It's higher than you can imagine. Yeah, maybe you lost your church like, like I did. You'll find another one, hopefully. If they rot out and destroy the United States military, the cost of that is more than you ever want to pay in your lifetime, believe me. And again, back to the FBI. This is the Federal Bureau of Investigation. This is the federal law enforcement arm. And now we find out today, now we find out today, Hunter Biden, all that stuff you heard about Hunter Biden, damn, it's probably all true. They were already investigating him for it. And they paused their Hunter Biden investigation in the months leading up to the election. And now that the election is over, they picked it back up again. That's right. That's right. Your federal authorities, my federal authorities, you see this infection doesn't just get in the military. We have a major, major problem on our hands. We have a cultural institution rot in this country as they cinch around you and surround you and ruin us all. Here it is. Quote, this is a quote from Hunter Biden. I learned yesterday for the first time that the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware advised my legal counsel also yesterday that they were investigating my tax affairs. I take this matter very seriously, but I am confident that a professional and objective review of these matters will demonstrate that I handled my affairs legally and appropriately, including with the benefit of professional tax advisors. Senator Kennedy had this to say, and man, here's an uncomfortable question, isn't it? I think this issue is, or, or this new disclosure rather, is also going to raise the issue again yeah. of how and why many major news organizations and social media platforms tried to tap down the New York Post story about, uh, about uh, the laptop you make and the things point. on it. Listen to Senator Johnson. Listen to Senator, not, not, not just what Senator Kennedy said. Listen to Senator Johnson. How much have you heard in the last four years about Russian interference, Russia involved in our elections, these people manipulating elections? Hear this. It's obvious to everybody except the mainstream media. And of course, we found out now the mainstream media had far greater influence and interference in our election than any Russian interference ever could have hoped for. I mean, the fact of the matter, there have been polls out now. The McLaughlin poll said that 36% of Biden voters had never heard of the Hunter Biden story because of the censorship and suppression. Of that, 13%, once they found out, said they wouldn't have voted for Biden. So that means 4.6% of Biden voters would not have voted for him. That means Trump would have won the election. That's the enormous influence that social media and our liberal bias media played on this election. Their, their interference just is orders of magnitude greater than any Russian or Chinese or Iran foreign interference in this, in this campaign. That's uncomfortable, isn't it? It's uncomfortable thinking you're surrounded you're surrounded by misinformation, intentional misinformation. You're surrounded by censorship now. And I'm sorry, more than the media, more than Joe Biden, more than the Democratic Party, I can't let it go. Federal authorities stopped their investigation in the months leading up to the election. Ah, let's, 
like, let's pick this back up once it's over. We don't, we don't want to hurt Joe Biden's chances, do we? They're coming for all of it. They don't think like you think. They don't think like I think. They could look at 99% ownership of the 100 sheep in the pasture, pasture, and all they would see is that one they didn't get yet. Start adjusting your mindset. They're coming for everything. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. Now, home title theft should make you uncomfortable. Because, let's be honest, your home is probably your biggest financial vulnerability. My, certainly mine. If you don't have home title lock, then your home title is just hanging out there online, asking a hacker to hack into it, jack it, forge your signature on it, take a loan out against it, you either pay that loan back or you get evicted from your home. Oh, oh, wait, you do have another option. I almost forgot about that. You can spend tens of thousands of dollars. That's what it'll cost you on an attorney going through the court system trying to get it unwound. I've seen that as well. Don't, don't do that to yourself. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. Sign up. HomeTitleLock.com. When you use the promo code RADIO, that gets you three, 30 days of free protection. HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be back. What's my favorite thing in the world? You watch the show. You watch the show all the time. <laughs> I know you consume every minute. You probably never miss an episode. What's my favorite thing in the world? Being right. We named the show I'm Right because I love to be right. And look, I understand you think I'm an oracle and I'm right all the time. But the truth is, it still feels good when I'm right. How long have I been talking about the inevitable separation of America? Don't get me wrong. I don't cheer for it. I'm not cheering for it at all. I love this place. I would die for it. I just see it coming, and I see it being the peaceful solution. The truth is, as I've always told you, we are going this way. It's not that we're separate. We are going opposite directions quickly. We just don't have common values anymore. And I'm not even putting down the dirty commie scum for once. I'm just saying a nation only becomes a nation when a group of people share common values and they come together because we're social human beings. We, there's safety in numbers. We share common values. Say, so, hey, let's live together. It's a marriage. It's a tribe. It becomes a nation. Look, you and me, we, we think the same. Let's get married. It's how that works. Well, we don't get along anymore. I want to sit around all day and eat potato chips. You're ambitious and you want to go to work. I'm an atheist. You're a Christian. I think the sky is red. You think it's blue. That's fine. Look, but we're heading this way. We got to separate. Otherwise, it's not a nation anymore. It's a cage. That's what we have now. We have a cage. We're just two people who hate each other trapped in a cage. It's going to get ugly, uglier than it's already been. Don't, don't lose sight of this. People have died over the last four years for their political beliefs in this country. Now, they've all been people on the right, but people have died the last four years. That doesn't get better over time. So what I've always said is, let's just have a divorce, an amicable divorce nationally. Let's get together. It'll be painful. Let's just agree. We don't get along anymore. And when I hear the great one, the legend, Rush Limbaugh, 
talking like this today, I have to tell you, that felt pretty good. I thought you were asking me something else when when you said, well, "Can we win?" I I meant, "Can we? Can we, I thought you meant, "Can we win the culture? Can we dominate uh, the uh, uh, culture?" I I actually think, and I've referenced this, I've alluded to this a couple of times because I've seen others allude to this. I actually think that we're trending toward secession. I see more and more people asking, what in the world do we have in common with the people who live in, say, New York? What is there that makes us believe that there is enough of us there to even have a chance at winning New York, especially if you're talking about votes? I don't even approach this angrily. I'm a little bummed about it, I'll be honest. So, so look, I, you're welcome to send me your emails, but you don't have to send me your emails yelling at me. It's not as if I'm dancing on the rooftops. Here's the truth. I know you think I'm a big jerk, and of course you're correct about that, but I don't want anyone to get hurt. I really don't want anyone to get hurt. Not on the left, not on the right. I don't need any more blood in my life. I don't want anyone to get hurt, and I say, the peaceful way is let's agree to disagree. What common values do you share with the people who change the gender of their children? What common values do you share with those people? Anything? You saw the Antifa Black Lives Matter degenerates murdering people, robbing, burning down things. Do you see common ground there? You remember Black Lives Matter had it on their website? Their goal, their goal is the destruction of the nuclear family. Ah, oh, we don't need any more of this mom, dad, child stuff. What common values do you share with that person? How can you and that person, how can you two get married and live in the same home? You can't, you kill each other. There's no need to do this. And what I'm describing is not radical. It is the history of the world. In fact, you can, you can make the argument, what I'm describing is inevitable. The history of the world is nations rising and falling, nations breaking up and going their separate ways. You don't believe me? Go look at a map of the world from a thousand years ago, 1500 years ago. Look at it today. See any differences? What I'm describing is inevitable. I love it. Rush Limbaugh out there talking about what I'm talking about. That's awesome. All right. Now, natural medicines holistic healing approaches. These things are known to alleviate things. Known to alleviate things like sleeplessness, joint pain, anxiety, and I see your emails. I know anxiety is something you struggle with. And I don't like putting man-made chemicals in my body. I already do enough of that. So I prefer natural solutions. I prefer CBD. But I'm not, I'm not some CBD expert. I don't know what I'm looking at. So what I did was I went and found an expert. Doctors Trusted CBD Company, they've been doing this for over two decades. They went out and researched the whole industry and found the best CBD companies out there. That's why they teamed up with Be Best Organics, which is made in the USA. Go to DoctorsTrustedCBD.com, use the promo code JESSE. That actually gets you 5% off and a free lip balm through the holidays. 
We'll be back. Joining me now, national security analyst Dave Reboy. Dave, my blood pressure is through the roof with this military stuff, man. The sec def stuff and everything else. I'm trying to get the point home to everybody that the left does not see anything and thinks to themselves they don't want to go there. That, of course, they're going to worm their way through the military and the churches and the FBI. They're just coming for all of it. Right. I mean, look, it's, it's in a way, it's like a mind virus. And uh, it will it will go anywhere until there is um, until it's it's met with resistance. You know, the former editor of National Review, John O'Sullivan, had this rule that was called the O'Sullivan rule, which is that any institution that's not expressly right wing will go left over time. And what has happened is I think people people just assumed that, for example, the military will always be sort of right wing and patriotic. And uh, I think we found that that was a, an incorrect assumption. Did they catch us sleeping at the wheel, or have they just been chopping away at this? Have they been eyeing that thing like a hungry wolf for a long time? Um, yeah, they, 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 they absolutely did. It was, it was very hard. I mean, what I'm thinking about the most these days, actually, is the end of the Cold War and about how there's so much about our, our current political life and the things that we believe, or, or let's say the things that the mainstream... Um, you know, neoliberal, neoconservative folks believe um, on really any issue stems from a misunderstanding of of the the Cold War and what happened after uh, it was over. So I think there's a, a kind of triumphalism that existed uh, around the West, certainly in the United States, and and that comes, you know, it it, uh, it it feeds in directly into the military. Where at the end of the day, we thought, oh, okay, from now on, all we have to do is you know, these relatively easy political actions. Um, there was uh, an ethos that came in with the Clinton administration, which is that, yes, we're going to vigorously use our military, but as long as there is no U.S. national interest at stake. Because if there is, then then that effort is illegitimate. So, I mean, I think it's been a long time coming, and, you know, really there's no reason why conservatives... There's no special reason why conservatives uh, didn't defend the military because they didn't defend education. They didn't defend, um, you know, big corporations in the sense of, of you know, making, you know, keeping them non-politicized, non-leftist. Um, you know, we, we kind of let them take everything. Did Trump do anything about this? I mean, look, I, I don't make my show a Trump bashing show. I don't make it a Trump worshiping show. But we did just have a Republican president for four years. Did he do anything to stop this madness from crushing our national defense? Very little. Very little across the board. Um, I think that... In general, we had four wasted years when it comes to a lot of this. It was really only the last couple of months. You know, I mean, God bless our, our friend uh, Chris Rufo, who was in there warning uh, the administration on things like critical race theory. So it was really only in the last couple of months of, uh, of, of 2020 that the president got wise to, you know, to, to the rot. And... I think it was really only in, in 2020 during the riots and the this and that and, you know, toppling of statues and the whole thing that he intellectually accepted that there are people who hate the country, hate how it's founded, hate its history, want to tear it down um, within our institutions. I think, 
you know, for a guy who was non-ideological most of his life, and, you know, he was, he just assumed at the end of the day that, you know, it's crazy to, be, to hate your country. Um, so, so that perspective made him, you know, fail to appreciate what was going on within the administrative state. So hopefully we, we're, I mean, we're going to need to, to um, if we ever get back to the White House, we're going to need to, uh, to address this problem on day one. Uh, but before then, we need to start addressing it in, in states, in state governments. Hopefully, how hopefully bad is this it? year. How bad is us. it at the state level? Is it all of them? Is it, is it, how bad is it at the state level? I mean, at the state at the state level, it's it's bad as well. I mean, there's this critical race theory up and down um, up and down the country. Whatever institution is not, you know, doesn't put up a an affirmative wall against it, ends up being taken over. So if we have no ability to make change at the federal level, we need to make sure that uh, that people in state government and uh, local everyone from you know local schools and and businesses and governments and communities need to realize that this is a real problem and start pushing back on the local level because that's where the fight is now. Dave, critical race theory is everywhere. And my concern is people, especially parents, maybe people who go to church, synagogue, people who watch TV, they don't realize they're getting it constantly. What is it? They don't advertise they're telling it to you. What is it? Right. I'm actually going to read here a quick, succinct definition so that it's not, you know, Evil Dave saying it. It's actually uh, Encyclopedia Britannica that is probably sympathetic to it. So critical race theory is the view that the law and legal institutions, say, in the United States, are inherently racist and that race itself is a socially constructed concept that is used by white people to further their economic and political interests at the expense of people of color. So, you know, to to really unpack that, you know, the question is like, how does that apply to us? So that applies to us in the sense that everything in America, every institution that we have is corrupt and must be brought down, everything. And really the main one that is the most important one that they want to break down is at the end of the day, the, the rule of law. The fact that the idea that everyone is equal in the eyes of the law, for example, a white defendant um, and a black defendant, you know, we, we have this idea that justice would be blind. And if they both did the same thing, the, their circumstances are, are the same, you know, the, the, um, the, the sort of the same punishment or judgment should apply. Well, critical race theory says, no, that's not even something to aspire to. So in order to correct everything, we need to burn it down and we need to start and say, no, we're going to actually preference the black defendant at the expense of the white defendant. So what it does is it turns not only the principle of American government on their heads, it turns a concept of justice uh, um, on its head going back to the Bible and the enlightenment and, and, and everything. Really what it is is revenge um, masquerading as justice. It is, it is truly a disgusting scourge. I have to ask you, you brought up the Cold War earlier and what people really got wrong about the end of it or the supposed end of it. I have to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to go off on a separate tangent with you here, but I, I find it weird that people think we won it. 
I mean, if, if it right. was a battle against the Soviet Union, maybe you can say we won it. If it was a battle, I mean, the Cold War was about stopping the spread of communism. Uh, how exactly do we stop the spread of communism? They educate our kids. They make your movies now. They're in, they sit on corporate boards. It's half the two, it's one of the two political parties and a half the other one. How do we think we won this thing? Right. Well, it's it's a little bit ridiculous. I I completely agree with you. I think that at the end of the day, we did bring down the Soviet the Soviet Empire, the country, um, and and its satellite states. Um, I think uh, Ronald Reagan deserves a tremendous amount of credit for that, for sure, because, you know, the battle that he wasn't won against communism. It was won against communism uh, as fueled by the other great world power with the greatest military in the world. And, um, and it was a life and death struggle that, you know, frankly, a lot of us sort of looking back on it you know, fail to appreciate what a, you know, what a knife's edge we were on for most of that conflict. I mean, you know, you and I remember, uh, but, uh, you know, but kids these days, they just assume that, you know, hey, that's how the movie was always supposed to play out. The good guys win in the end. And, uh, and what happens then is you don't, you, you don't take for granted the, um, the hard choices and, and the, the fight that you had to, um, that you had to go through uh, for, for those decades. And uh, so I think what happened is very soon after the end of the Cold War, you had a sense of people rationalizing it from the left and right. You had people saying, well, yeah, of course, you know, of course their economy was, you know, was, was, was beat down and primitive and, um, you know, our, our superior technology and our freedom made it inevitable that we would win and you know yada 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 so i think from that lesson we learned a whole bunch of things that were actually not true um in terms of the nature of of humanity dave can we reverse this and don't i, I know you won't but don't give me some pie in the sky americana answer is is the cultural rot still at a point where we can reverse it because i really would like to reverse it I'd, I'd like to have the church back the military back i mean federal law enforcement back maybe even the education system i don't want to get too greedy but can it be reversed or is this just what we have now so the bad news is no you can't get it reversed the good news is that you can build other things that are smaller, that are maybe um, that are maybe uh, you know strengthened to not you know to be able to withstand the onslaught of this. So, for example, while the U.S. military could be totally mired in critical race theory and all you know all kinds of other associated um, uh, diversity nonsense you can make sure that the Texas National Guard is free of all that nonsense. You know, that's something that you can do, um, you know, much easier. You can do the same thing with Florida. You can make sure that your, um, uh, you can make sure that your police locally knows what to do and isn't stuck with, um, you know, a, a, a critical race theory type social justice DA that um, you know, like like they they have now in Los Angeles, who's going to completely gut the city, and uh, and put its citizens in danger. So I think what happens is those those of you in blue states, blue cities, get moving, get moving to red states, 
and get involved in the political process there, vote in elections. Um, make sure that you know who your local DA is because this stuff matters. Now we know it matters. There's no excuse. Dave Reboy, thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. Thank you. We'll be back. Joining me now, Morgan Zegger. She is the founding in founder, easy for me to say, and CEO of Young Americans Against Socialism and as a card-carrying anti-communist, that is music to my ears. Morgan, tell me there's just a sea of you out there ready to fight these commie scum. Oh, I plan on building one at least. Why I made the name of our organization very clear. I wanted our older Americans to feel more faith in the future and understand that there are young Americans out there who are against socialism. Morgan, I've never bought into that. Speaking of older Americans, I've never bought into that thing that we do. Everybody tends to do it as they get older. Oh, the next generation sucks. I've, I've always thought that Moses was probably saying that about the next generation. That the next generation just is whatever you make it. They're whatever their culture turns out to be. I see a bunch of young people out there and they, I mean, they're, they're to the right of me, which is virtually impossible. Yes, and that's why actually why I'm glad to be joining you today because I bring a different perspective than just bashing my generation. Considering there's polls out there, I, there's one from YouGov that says 70% of my generation would vote for a socialist. I actually want to change the narrative on that, and I wanted to bring your attention to a YouGov poll that just came out uh, last month, and it says that basically five to six percent of young Americans trust the government to take care of their intentions in a, a good way and to make good decisions on their behalf. But at the same time, you have these crazy numbers like 40 percent of young Americans want socialism. And my hypothesis is that our generation has been lied to. We've missed out on crucial information in the classroom on the history of Marxism, socialism, communism, and uh, capitalism. And if we had the truth, we would probably not be supporting socialism at such a record high. And so I am really determined to give my generation the truth and studies show the most effective way to do that is peer-to-peer -peer communication. So I'm challenging my generation to take on this important duty. Are we, how are we going to connect on social media when it, when it comes to that? Because obviously that's going to be huge, but big tech is censoring voices. I'm sure like yours they are definitely censoring mine off of social media. And I know that obviously that's a next generation thing and that it's only going to grow from there. How do we combat that? Of course, I think the first change we need to do is in our messaging, our tone and the language that we use. Leftists are genius at language. They're very emotional. They're very uh, manipulative. And uh, in The Road to Serfdom by Hayek, he talks about how they'll change the definitions of words. Throughout history, they've always done this. But most specifically, a really important video that you should check out is by Bernie Sanders. It was one of his campaign videos where it's called, What is Freedom? And they go, are you free if you have student loan debt? Are you free if you have high healthcare costs? Are you free if you uh, can't even afford health insurance and so you only work your dead-end job to pay for health insurance? Are you free in any of these situations? And unfortunately, the video ends with saying, no, you're not free. Freedom comes from economic freedom and economic freedom comes from fill in the blank for all programs like Medicare for all, student loan forgiveness, free college for all, jobs for all. And so they're distorting what it means to be free in America where it means giving up responsibility and stress and letting the government take on those hard things in life. And so first of all, we have to figure out how we can message to a generation that sees freedom as less responsibility and less stress. And for me, 
I also think this means taking on those words of progress, justice, equality, showing them that capital, uh, capitalism and classical liberalism are actually the best ways to achieve all three of those leftist buzzwords. Where do we miss the mark? Uh, look, Lord knows I get mad at the GOP all the time. I'm always just ready to strangle somebody. But what, where do you see, what do you see the GOP do constantly? Maybe candidates, maybe the party as a whole, and you just sit back and cringe because you know that's not landing the way you want it to. Of course. I, I think it's about pushing it a little bit further. Every time we push a really great successful statistic we have or an economics point or a point about history, a good example would be the record low unemployment that we had for women and almost every minority group under President Trump. We had those great talking points to discuss how we're empowering the working class and we're empowering different groups. And instead, we only talked about those record low unemployment numbers. What we need to make is the point about how empowering it is to be able to take care of yourself and to have a job. It's a point that Marxists like AOC are going on social media and saying the opposite of. I mean, if you look at AOC's Twitter, she's telling people to not go back to their jobs once the coronavirus shutdowns are lifted because it's too oppressive to have to work for these evil millionaires and billionaires. They're using Marxism by saying we shouldn't even go back to jobs. And so really painting a better picture of the emotional importance of having a job, taking care of yourself and not being reliant on the system. I think that's going to be great for conservatives moving forward. Morgan, you're obviously a lot closer to school age than I am, quite clearly. So you've gone through it more recently. Parents are worried about how their kids are getting educated out there. What did you see in your time going through the education system? Was it horrific? Was it just kind of subtle? How bad was it? I would say there's more instances of actual horrific indoctrination that you can see more clearly now when people are online and they're doing these online schools where parents can clearly see the presentations that people are looking at on their laptops. For me, though, I think we need to take the conversation back to middle school and high school before we discuss college Marxist professors, because it's more important than just a few Marxist professors who are pushing their talking points. Instead, we need to talk about what's actually being taught and what isn't being taught in the classroom, specifically what's being left out. When you learn about the 20th century dictators, of course we learn about Stalin and we learn about Lenin, but we don't learn that these evil men came to power by promising the same leftist buzzwords that we're hearing today, like progress, justice, equality. I mean, Fidel Castro called himself a democratic humanitarian, but he also murdered gay people because he didn't think they could be fully contributing revolutionaries. So it goes against the leftist agenda of the day to support these radical dictators, but you see people in my generation wearing Che Guevara shirts still, and it's disgusting. Uh, so for me, I think we need to talk about more how Marxists and socialists rise to power, the promises they make. And my generation now goes into college and they hear these same promises being made by leftist politicians, and they don't have the intellectual ammunition for red flags to go off in their head when they hear the same promises that have always been promised by socialists of the past. I will say one thing too about this YouGov poll that just came out. It shows that two-thirds of Americans are unaware that communist China is responsible for more deaths than Nazi Germany. And when we consider the education of what average American students are learning about communist China, I have a serious doubt that they understand 10,000 Tiananmen Square protesters, pro-democracy young protesters, were killed in communist China, or the fact that the, pro, uh, the one family, the one child policy resulted in forced abortions and forced sterilizations, the fact that they have two million Muslims in concentration camps there. If my generation had better education on the history of communist China, I doubt we would fall for these coronavirus talking points that came out last March where our mainstream media ate up communist propaganda. It was disgusting. Morgan, I don't understand. I thought Che was just a freedom fighter. Are you saying he wasn't? 
No, he was not. And what's concerning is you have groups like Black Lives Matter who wrote a letter that was in defense of El Comandante when he passed away, and they said they had to come to his defense. The title of the letter was um, Lessons from Fidel. And for me, that's disgusting considering Fidel Castro hated black people, hated minorities, and hated gay people. Those are all groups that the leftists and the Black Lives Matter groups of America today claim to champion. And I actually got in a debate with a member of the Democratic Party. He claimed he wasn't a socialist, he was a liberal. And he decided to tell me that it was okay for groups like Black Lives Matter to support such hateful people and murderous dictators because they are so desperate given the oppression they face in America. They have to support leaders who have at least believed in the concepts they share. And I, I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Morgan, which, what's the future of the GOP look like? Is there, is there a candidate you like? Is there a message you like more than the others? I would say I look up to Christy Nome. I'm from upstate New York, but I actually live in Texas now. And for me, I'm from a very country area. There's more cows than people in my county when I grew up. And I grew up as a working class diner girl. My dad's a colonel in the military. And so looking into politics, I always said I would never get involved because the people in D.C. look so terrible and they're all in it for money and for bad intentions. <laughs> But when I look at people like Christy Nome, who rides a horse and wears a camo hat, and she's going to all these great things in flannels, and she's leading the state, especially with uh, such great freedom and, and leadership in a time of a pandemic where other governors are shutting their states down, she's the kind of politician that I want to lead our country in the future. And so I'm excited for the leadership of people like her and uh, um, the Florida governor as well. Yes. As somebody who has lived in Washington, D.C. and now lives in Texas, stay out of D.C. You stay right here. Thank you, Morgan. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. I like Christy Nome. I like her a lot. I, she intrigues me. Her and Ron DeSantis, keep your eyes on them for 2020. There really might be something there. They have been lone voices, especially with all this coronavirus madness, doing everything they can not to carpet bomb their own states. And Lord knows we need some GOP people who actually have guts at this point in time. All right. We'll be back. As we rapidly approach the Christmas season, we are going to start digging through the greatest Christmas videos of all time to bring them to you, to get you in the spirit and get you ready. And this one, maybe my favorite ever. Swear. You aren't absolutely. That's why you're. That's why you're on the naughty list. I swear. Trust me. Well, that's why you're on the naughty list because because you're being naughty right now. So you're going to be on the naughty list if you keep talking like that. No, no, because Father Christmas is not being very nice to me. Because you're being naughty, so you're on the naughty list. No, I'm not. I'm on the good list, actually. You're not, because you, you're not, because you ain't being good. I am on the good list. If you keep saying that word again and again and again, I'm not on the naughty list. Father Christmas rung me last night when I was at work yes. and said, you better tell Jackson to start being a good boy or he's going to stay on the naughty list and he won't I get no presents for Christmas. That's what he said to me. So you've got to start being a good boy. Then I will do an uppercut to him. No, no, you won't do... No, you would, I'm what? Like this. Punch him. Punch his beard off. You're just silly, man. Hey, trust me. I'm not on bad list. You're on the naughty list, mate. No, I'm not. Well, then be a good boy. Alright. I'll see you tomorrow.
On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of The Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working on the cover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink, the guys come in, I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money, Bam, I give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 